When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is what it is, okay? I said empty your mind. Be formless. Shapeless. Like water. Now you put water into a cup. It becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. MMA Talk, the MMA podcast, where we bring you martial arts straight up with no twist. How's everybody doing out there this evening, Tuesday, April the 4th, 2017? We have a loaded show for you this evening, a little bit later on. We'll be joined by Eric from New Jersey, and uh, our scheduled guests are Ashley Cummings, Andrew Holbrook, and Rafael Lovato Jr., but to kick things off, uh, we have a professional mixed martial artist, our uh, usual co-host at this time, Mr. Nick Rossborough. How you doing tonight, buddy? Good. Yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. So hanging in there, Nick. And uh, we're going to start with the uh, King Mo Rampage uh, rematch. Uh, it was a fight that King Mo won by a unanimous decision, unlike the first fight. No real uh, controversy. Uh, I was surprised to see Rampage come in so heavy, 253 pounds. Uh, while he didn't look overly fat and out of shape, I definitely think it hurt him. I mean, the first round he spent uh, a lot of it backing up, which I thought was weird, and then he was backed into the cage. Obviously, he was doing what he can to stay on his feet, but I think he dropped that first round, and paying so much attention and spending so much time with his back on the fence. Uh, second round, he got things going a little bit with some uh, good strikes, some good left hooks, some uh, good left jabs. I mean, even in the first round, I thought the best strike of the round was a straight left jab from Rampage, but certainly not enough to win it. And then in, in the third round, Rampage seemed to be uh, out of gas. He tried to even try for a desperation takedown, I thought, and uh, did not get in. And I think that cost him as uh, – 
King Mo was able to take advantage of uh, of that and uh, take advantage of uh, being more active and uh, more energetic, I think, in that uh, third round, although you could tell that he was uh, doing what he can to avoid uh, those left hooks once again. But no controversy. King Mo now moves on to face Ryan Bader in June. What did you think of the fight? You know, um, I was actually disappointed in the, in in that fight. I'm I'm not a huge fan of wrestlers that go in and just wrestle. Like King Mo talks a big talk in in the sense of being a fighter, and, and to me, wrestling is not fighting. It's an opponent to fighting. Um, and I don't I don't think he did what he needed to do. I, I mean, he did what he needed to do to to win the fight, obviously. But I mean, there's so many fights out there like that. Like when George St. Pierre won the belt. That's all he kept doing. He was so terrified to lose everything that they just would out-wrestle their opponent and not do too much. So I wasn't – I I was bored to that fight. I really was, honest to God, bored. I was also surprised with Bram Page's 253-pound weigh-in and not being able to do anything with that. Like, I mean, how long did he have to get ready? How long did he have to know that he was facing King Mo for a second time and – still come in that heavy. He must have been well over 300 pounds if that was the case when it all settled in or whatnot. So, me personally, that wasn't an impressive fight. I wasn't, okay, chalking up as a win for King Mo or round two for, for King Mo. Is there going to be a round three? I highly doubt it. I don't think Rampage has it in him anymore to keep doing what he's doing. But who's to say? Who's to know? But impressive fight? Not at all. Not Not whatsoever at all. Yeah, and Rampage did not stick around for the post-fight uh, TV interview. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, a lot of people had the same sentiment that you did, Nick, uh, all over social media, how boring the fight was. Uh, I didn't think it was, like, the greatest fight in the world, but I didn't think it was terribly boring. I thought it was interesting enough. Obviously, we were all looking for more. We just didn't get it. Uh, but, uh, I mean, uh, I admire King Mo just for the fact that, uh, you know, the size difference was so – I mean, when he was up against that – when he was pushing – uh, Rampage, you got fancy. You look like a little child compared uh, to Rampage. I, I don't know if it would have been wise for him to try and do anything else, but than what he did, because when he did feel the power in the second round, that was a big Rampage round. But uh, you know, I'm not endorsing it as anything close to a really good fight. But I wasn't particularly as bored by it by as some people are saying in yourself, but uh, I can understand that sentiment. Certainly a disappointment, certainly a letdown. Correct, yes. Now, for, for me, as um, in, in my opinion to it, yeah, King Mo did, a, did an amazing job holding someone outweighing him, you know, by that, that amount, you know, and, and controlling that aspect of that. Although I, I think King Mo could have still beat the stand-up in the sense of just tiring him out, standing back away, and just letting off, you know, round after round and, and tagging him because of being such a lighter guy and, and possibly a lot more in shape. I really right, believe right, that he right. could have just let let go with his hands and moved, stick and moved, and just kept hurting him and kept tiring him out and actually done maybe a little bit more of impressive. I mean, I'm a fighter. I, I, love, I love the fights, and I love technical fights at that, but that was not technical at all. I mean, granted, King Mo controlling Rampage was – surprising because I don't know why Rampage couldn't use his weight off but coming in out of shape and that heavy you know I granted I, like you said he didn't look out of shape but that heavy has to weigh on him has to get that blood flow into something wherever that's at so yeah yeah I don't think he had much left in that third round but uh moving ahead for King Mo Ryan Bader next certainly going to have to fight a different kind of fight 
when he when he faces uh, Ryan Bader in June. Yeah, definitely. Now this is an interesting matchup. Both of them top level wrestlers. Um, I think King Mo is going to step back and have to use his hands a lot more. I don't think it's going to be an easy task controlling Ryan that way with his wrestling because of Ryan having a wrestling background as well. Um, so that that'll be an interesting interesting match in that sense because. I actually feel one of them will probably be put to sleep or tagged and then end in, in a TKO fashion. You know, that's, that's my theory and now take on that because of their backgrounds and, and what they come from. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, definitely an interesting fight. Bader was at one time one of the top uh, level guys in the UFC not that long ago. So uh, a good get for Bellator and I think a good fight that's going to be part of an unbelievable fight card in Madison Square Garden. Um, well, let's switch gears, Nick. We have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to get in. So uh, uh, no, no use... Uh, talking about that fight anymore uh but uh, let's move on ufc 210 a lot of interesting fights we'll save the main event uh, for last a couple of fights i want to throw at you with your thoughts uh first one when i first looked at this fight i i had to check what year i was in i thought maybe i i went backwards as tiago alves faces patrick the paradise cote in in the part of the ufc pay-per-view card uh you know these two guys uh, while fully respected i think they've seen their better days i think it's a curious matchup to have on the pay-per-view uh although i think it'll deliver good action uh you know both of these guys still have enough left for that but uh curious that they get that kind of a position a fight in my book but uh patrick prior to Cote especially every time i think he's done I, i see his name on a fight card True, that is an interesting matchup, and I, I totally agree. Like, they're both veterans. They've both been around for a long time. Um, haven't been highly talked about lately, and then all of a sudden, bam, both of them are on a, a pay-per-view card with a, an excellent lineup to add to that. So, like, it, it is a, like a, a wrench or a monkey in a wrench, but I, I, I don't know where it came from or not. I think it'll be an interesting fight. Maybe both are on their way back to the top, uh, or trying to at least, because they've been around the game for so long. So, uh, I agree. It's, it's a really interesting, interesting tale of the tape with that as being on a pay-per-view and not not necessarily an undercard. Yeah, I think that had main event for the prelims written all over and give us some of these other uh, guys a chance at the at the pay-per-view. But you know, who am I? That's just my opinion. Uh, but uh, do you have an idea of who you might favor in this matchup? Uh, two guys have been around the block a million times. You know, I, honestly, I I think I might have to go with Patrick Pate on this one. Just uh, that's just a hunch. I don't know why. Like they they both are they haven't been too impressive lately. You know, I think uh, Alvarez is coming off a suspension, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, like that. So he hasn't. I haven't seen him in a while, or maybe it's been an injury. But um, yeah, I'd have to go with Patrick Pate. That dude can take some shots and keep on going. He's, he's definitely. Spread that way, so I would say All Alrighty, now this fight is just the opposite. It's well worth the money to co-feature the All-American Chris Weidman facing off against Tarzan Gagard Mosasi. Uh, a very intriguing and interesting fight. Uh, my first thought with Mosasi's all-around game, with his activity lately, with his experience. Uh, just does everything well. My first thought is, 
Weidman's in trouble. But then I think about it, and I watch Weidman, and you, you can never count him out. Uh, but on the surface, I think this is a bad matchup for him, and, and I think he might be in trouble. But he's so good, it's not. I can't say that he has no chance. What do you think about this fight? You know, Gegard coming back, he's he's been impressive his last two fights, which is actually uh, pretty good. Like, Gegard fell off for a minute, had a couple losses, and maybe slowed down. and just, Who knows why, but Gegard coming back now, his last couple wins have been really impressive in that sense. And I, I feel the same. It's a bad matchup for Wyman in, in, in my eyes. But you really can't count Wyman out. Look at look at what he did to Adam Silva the first go-around. You know, everyone counted him out, and he goes and knocks him out. Um, and it's just a matter of time. Like, obviously, Wyman's last outing, his last couple outings weren't the most impressive at all. So that's what makes me lean a little towards Gord Agard in, that, in this fight. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, Mosasi has more ways that he could win. But, uh, again, this guy, Weidman, was the champ. He's been in there uh, with the best, and uh, he's shown he's not that easy to take out. So I think it's a wonderful matchup. Uh, If I were to guess and predict what would be the fight of the night, I think this one would have a really, really good chance of winning that honor. I would believe so as well. I believe this would have at least five of the night written on it um, due to the just the different different game plans. I think each of them have to the table to make it for a real interesting matchup and, and probably a real entertaining fight. Yeah, I definitely uh, can see that happening. There's a lot going on with the middleweights. Obviously, the the winner here, two highly ranked middleweights. We could certainly uh, see it. We have the number four and fives going against each other in Weidman and Musasi. Uh, Another endorsement for how great the UFC is in in the aspect that, you know, we get to see what we want. There's no cupcakes here. Uh, It's a matchmaking nightmare, I guess, if you're a Weidman, if you're a Musasi, but they're used to this. They're used to going in there knowing that they're fighting a guy that could very well beat them. Yes, yes, definitely. That's, I mean, in, in any aspect, I think any fighter sometimes has that mentality and sometimes knows that he might have the upper hand in certain areas. So this, this is a very interesting match. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to watching that fight. So I, I'm a fan of both of them. So um, I became a fan of Gegard quite a while back. And, you know, Weidman, um, he's just impressed me with his last few fights in the sense of uh, when he started to just prove everybody wrong and when everybody doubted him. Yeah, I mean, Musashi's that kind of guy that's been around. He has a a ton of wins via stoppage, a ton of wins via submission. If I'm not mistaken, he's only been knocked out once. So, uh, I mean, he's a guy that's really, uh, he's getting close to that real promised land in the UFC, maybe uh, headlining his own main event pay-per-view for a title shot in the near future if he could get this victory. And, of course, Weidman, he's a guy that's already been there and wants to get back. So it's a can't-miss co-feature. Do you have an official prediction, Nick? Um, You know what? I got Gegard winning possibly by a TKO second round. That's just – that's what I predict. All righty. So a couple of big ones there now. The main event, obviously, uh, the big rematch, Cormier versus Rumble. Two, I, I will be 
uh, announcing my official prediction when I released my article on ringsidereport.com. So, so you and Eric will uh, offer your predictions this evening. My article should go up sometime later this evening or, or, or early in the morning hours on Ringside Report. But I, I will say one of the things that uh, I really studied in terms of you know looking for a prediction for this fight is what has happened with both guys since the first fight. And obviously, uh, Rumble has been on a roll three performance of the night in a row, uh, stopping uh, Manua, stopping, uh, um, of course, now I totally forget who else he fought, uh, uh, Bader and uh, Teixeira, Bader and Teixeira. And those fights were very quick uh, against Manua, who we saw a lot of his uh, ground skills. But, uh, you know, I really didn't learn much in the sense of how much he has improved. Obviously, he's on a roll. But I, you know, I don't see him getting uh, a chance to win this fight though in the fashion he did against Teixeira, or against uh, you know Bader with a, a you know a quick strike and it's over. Uh, so I mean I don't know, but but uh, Cormier you know was in a life and death fight with Gustafson where he got hurt multiple times, got bloodied up, tried to fight a lot of that fight on the uh, you know standing. If he does that against Rumble, he's got no chance. Uh, and then the, the Anderson Silva fight was kind of like a wash for me because, you know, he was supposed to be fighting Jones. Uh, you know, Silva took that fight on extremely short notice. A lot of that fight was, uh, you know, on the ground as well. But the, Silva did manage to you know, hurt uh, Cormier pretty good towards the last 30 seconds or so of that fight. So what does all this mean is I, I really didn't learn anything because if they do what they did against uh, – there are other opponents against each other. I'm not sure what the hell is going to happen. <laughs> uh, I I agree with that. It's, so for me, it's a weird matchup. I've never really been impressed or a fan of um, Anthony Johnson. Just something about him that doesn't impress me much. Obviously, uh, I know he's got a couple of good wins, um, and he's done it in fashionable manner. But fashion for me isn't how you. I guess create your name in in the sport. Obviously, for the fan and for the for the people that want to watch that, then yeah, that's that's how it's created. You know, you, you get your name out there by knocking dudes out left and right. Look at Chuck Liddell. But anyways, um, I, it's a weird matchup. Uh, I mean, Anthony Johnson has been coming up, and he's got some. I wouldn't say he doesn't have bad defense, okay. but uh, I think it might it might be a really tough matchup for uh, Cormier in the sense of that, because obviously, like you said, his hands. He gets clipped maybe once and it's done. But I, if Anthony does get taken down, I think he's going to have a hard time trying to get taken or getting back up and scoring points off Cormier's uh, wrestling. He has really, yeah. really good wrestling, in my opinion. Yeah, normally Rumble has good takedown defense. I, I mean, the, the, I think the first takedown in that first fight was caused by him being a little wild. That's why Cormier was able to get him to the ground. Uh, but, yeah, on, on the ground, if it's an on-the-ground fight, you have to favor Cormier. But Cormier is a guy in those last couple of fights that, uh, you know, has gotten hurt when he has been standing, although he did pretty well against uh, Gustafson, one of the best strikers in the business standing up. Yeah, he did. That's why I said it. It could be an interesting matchup, and he can go out and uh, destroy Anthony and not be able to get hit or tagged or get hurt and and do what he's supposed to do to win that fight. So, like I said, it's for me, this is an interesting matchup in that in that sense. 
Yeah, and what about the intangibles? Uh, Maybe not so much intangibles, the physicality of it. Uh, The the real, even though he won, he took a lot of punishment against Gustafson and the whole emotional thing of not fighting John Jones for the big UFC 200 and, uh, you know, having to fight a guy with a totally, totally different outlook and, you know, not for the title, not on the, the main the main event. And he's going in here knowing that he's fighting a guy he's already beat. What kind of mentality do fighters have going in there? I mean, he, obviously he's not stupid. He knows how dangerous Rumble is, but he could also say, I could seem, well, you know, Rumble's a one-trick pony. His one trick didn't work on me already. You know, I might, he might be looking past this because John Jones is on the horizon again. And that's like, even though he's the champion, that's his ultimate goal, I think, is to, you know, shut up John Jones and beat him. And he knows that that might be next. So you put all of that into consideration, does he overlook a guy? I mean, what kind of experience can you tell us about, Nick, where you fight a guy now, I beat that guy already, and then, you you know, winds up like, you know, well, that's, that mentality is just not enough to take you through the fight. You know, when you get on to the level that they're at or um, in, in the fights that they're on, then I don't think professionally those are overlooked in that sense. I know that he – has an upper hand on Rumble in the sense of his mentality, like, okay, I beat this dude once, I know I can beat him again, and I know how to beat him. So the positive mind frame, which is a beneficial thing in the, in, in the fight game, is, is very good. Anthony Rumble Johnson having that same outlook, okay, he beat me once, I got to go out and do this to, to not be beat and not get beat. So that, I, I think Cormier has the upper hand with that. I don't think he's looking past him in no means. And the only reason why I say that is because of the simple fact that even though John Jones has the immediate title rematch, you never know how bad he screws up again and, and loses that shot. So I don't think uh, Cormier is actually planning on getting to that point until that point is actually happening because it's happened how many times and, and, and John Jones just goes and screws things up. So I don't think he's looking past Rumble. I think he's going to go out and do his, do, um, his deed and, and then, then – look at the next thing that's available. Um, in my mind, that would be stupid to actually look past Rumble Johnson. Yeah, maybe not so much in looking past him, but saying, you know, I know if I take this guy's best shot, he can't stand with me on the ground, if that makes any sense. I have better stamina than this guy. I mean, all of those things, I mean, I think naturally might come into play. And if it wind, that could wind up coming back to haunt him, I think. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that means he's not training as hard or looking past. It's just more of a mental mindset. Like, you know, what this guy, although he's been on a roll, hasn't improved in the, in the areas of the game that I can beat him in. So uh, I don't know if that could wind up coming back to bite him or not. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely, I mean, who knows? It's an intangible. It's hard to measure. Uh, but what about the physicality of it, the punishment he took against uh, Gustafson, whereas Rumble really hasn't been in a tough fight since that fight? Um, that could play a huge part in, in people's minds, you know, being afraid to actually get into that scuffle once again and, and go through those battles because of what they endured the, the battle before, you know. So hopefully um, Cormier's mindset is keeping him at um, a good positive outlook with, okay, I beat him once, I beat him twice, this is what I got to do to stay focused on his game plan and not go out there and 
do some wild thing because he's like, oh, I've been in this position before. Let's try something new. If he goes out and stays to what he's known and what he's used to doing fighting Rumble, then I think he has the upper hand in that ability to just to go out and finish him and, and finish him in that fashion and not have to worry about taking any damage because, I mean, granted, though, that's why they didn't take, he didn't take as much damage um, from him, so... Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know. He took a couple of big bombs, especially that first uh, right early that I think Rumble overplayed. Uh, but uh, definitely, uh, you know, I still think a longer fight obviously favors Cormier with the stamina. Uh, Rumble just, yep. you know, when he wins, he wins so quickly. So it's hard to say. Hard to say what he can do in a fight that might go into deep waters. Uh, but uh, official prediction, uh, Nick? You know, obviously, if it goes past the first and second round, I do believe uh, Cormier is going to win by a decision, just wearing him out. Like you said, the stamina, I think, could play a huge part in that, or going the distance could play. So I, I say I would have Cormier winning a decision in this fight. All righty. So we've got, we got some good predictions on record for you. Uh, uh, Nick, we're coming up to the Rafael Lovato uh Junior segment, I mean, it's ridiculous how fast this goes. It feels like we just were on two minutes ago. But uh, as we're coming to a close, Nick, uh, anything you want to update us about yourself, anything you want us to know uh, in the last few minutes, uh, now's the time. You know, within the next couple weeks, obviously some big news coming coming the way of MMA and and my fight career. So the four-fight deal I signed with the the big organization, soon enough I think we'll be able – to be able to, you know, tell you who it's for and when the date is to, and to look forward to that, to actually watch me get back to my my shine and my grind. So that's some good news, you know. Um, give some shout-outs to a couple sponsors of Bay, a Better Way Lifestyle in the sense of helping me stay healthy and on top of my stuff. So um, all these things, I like I said, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on here and co-host, and I love the sport to death. So this is something that I enjoy doing is talking, talking sports, so. All right, good stuff. We 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 do have a few minutes. Uh, is there any other fight on the the UFC card, or maybe another fight on the horizon uh, that we have not t- talking about that catches your eye? You know, uh, the Donald Cerrone and, and actually Robbie Lawler fight that just was brought up. Uh, I think yesterday that was just announced. That's a pretty interesting fight. I've been friends with Robbie and know him personally, and. Um, watched him go from very low things to big name, you know, in, in the sport fast too, back in the UFC. So, and I've always been a fan of Donald Cerrone, so it's right, this is an right. interesting matchup. So that's something that I actually am looking forward to. Yeah, Robbie's uh, one of my all-time favorite. Eric from New Jersey as well. We, we could tell you how much uh, we appreciate him. Is there an official uh, date for that fight? Because I have not heard that. Um, I think. I think it's on the, the a June card, I think, but I'm not I'm not certain. All right, all right. Well, we'll definitely look look into that, and uh, we definitely thank you for your time, Nick Rosbro. Of course, if you want to hang out uh, for the interview segments, always a pleasure to have you. But uh, I know you're busy. Uh, anything else you want to throw out there for, for plugs, for sponsors, for uh, anything? We've got about two more minutes. You know, uh, give me give me a, a follow. Obviously, first and last name Nick Rosbro. At Twitter, uh, Nick Rossbro at Instagram, and then on my Facebook, Nick Rossbro. Um, stay tuned, and and there'll be some more news coming coming your way. Again, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, thank you, and thank you for the the, the breakdown of the fights, and enjoy the fights this weekend. Uh, should be fun. You do the same.
All right. Thank you, my friend, Nick Rossboro. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, he likes uh, Musashi. He likes uh, Cormier. And uh, sounds like by default, he likes Patrick the Predator. Cote, but uh, all fun fights. Some other good uh, fights on the card that we we might get into a little bit later on with Eric, and uh, we're going to take a quick break and hopefully have Rafael Lovato Jr. on right after this. back to Zoot's MMA talk and uh, joining us now is a mixed martial artist. He has a professional record of five and oh, and he also has a very decorated Brazilian jiu-jitsu career. One, uh, an American who is one of the uh, legendary Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighters of our time. Uh, now we're fighting. Uh, his last fight was in uh, Bellator MMA and has uh, gotten off to a great start in his mixed martial arts professional career. And he's kind enough to give us some of his time tonight. Rafael Lovato Jr., welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure is all ours. And uh, I, I want to begin with the Brazilian jiu jitsu career. Uh, you know, you're a guy from I think you were born in Oklahoma and that's where you're based now. Uh, is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Uh, how I does wasn't a guy born that... here? Right. Yeah, so where I wasn't were you born? born here but I've I've lived here since I was 8. Um I was born right, so in does... Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay, so how does a guy born in Cincinnati 
raised practically all his life in Oklahoma. How do you get attached to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and how do you become so good at it? <laughs> uh, well, that's all due to my father. Uh, my father is a lifetime martial artist, and um, he was a Jeet Kune Do instructor under Richard Bastillo and Danny Nosano. And uh, through JKD, he discovered Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I was training JKD under my father and, uh, you know, doing several different martial arts inside the JKD system. And whenever he discovered Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and, you know, he fell in love with it, uh, I, of course, fell in love with it as well and, um, you know, followed in his footsteps. And we dedicated our lives to learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And we became the first American father and son Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts. My first trip to Brazil to train and compete at the World Championships was in 1999 when I was 16 years old. Um, so a lot of it just happens to be, you know, sort of right place, right time, and um, and just, uh, you know, following the influence of my father. Now, you're one of uh, very few Americans to win the Brazilian National Jiu-Jitsu Championship. Talk about that. Uh, how you, how first of all, how you were able to pull that off? Describe the competition. Describe the experience. Your preparation. Give us an overview of, of that uh, great accomplishment. Well, the Brazilian Nationals. I'm actually the only American to win uh, the World Championships. Um, I'm one of three. Uh, B.J. Penn and Robert Drysdale would be the other two. Um, you know, so, you know, I'm just fortunate, uh, like I said, due to being like probably one of the very first, um, if not the first American teenager to go to Brazil to train, learn and compete there. Um, you know, I was able to make a lot of history in my jiu-jitsu career um, and be become one of the first um, to, to win a lot of the, the major titles. Um, some still to this day have not been won by another American. And, um, you know, uh, competing in Brazil uh, is something that's always been very special to me. And uh, when the world championships moved to the U.S. in 2007, um, you know, I started to, to miss, uh, you know, competing in Brazil. And so I would go back. Uh, I went back two different occasions in 2010 and 2013 to compete in the Brazilian nationals. Um, and in 2013, I became the absolute champion of Brazil. And, um, you know, that's one of my, my most favorite tournament memories, favorite competition, um, you know, memories, uh, just because it was an absolute title and uh, it was in Brazil. Um, you know, it just it, – it, it's another experience competing in Brazil, um, you know, kind of being on their turf and, um, you know, feeling the, the energy there, the passion that they have. Um, you know, I was very inspired. And uh, it's definitely, you know, a memory that I'll never forget. All righty. Good stuff there. Other than the obvious, uh, being not their home turf, why do you think so few Americans, and you being the only American to win in one aspect of it, has not been able to compete at the BJJ Championships and be victorious? Is it all all a home turf thing? Do you think that's the, the bottom line there? Uh, well, I mean, it's the, the level is is uh, extremely high. So, uh, you know, there there have been other Americans that um, I believe have reached the finals. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, 
a, a very tough tournament to win, no matter who you are. I mean, if you're if you're a Brazilian, you still have to get through all the other Brazilians. You know what I mean? So right, there's only right, one right. champion. There's only one champion, and uh, it's it's uh, you know it's hard. Uh, but for sure, you know, there's a another element to it, you know, when everyone is sort of against you. Um, and, uh, you know, no matter how that plays out, uh, whether it's in some tough calls here or there, or, you know, a tough bracket, you know, um, it's, it's tough, you know, a little extra tougher, I think, um, to, to fly and, you know, be out of your comfort zone and be there and, uh, and, 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 you know, try to battle for the gold. Um, but, uh, you know, nowadays they're, are lots of tough, tough tournaments out there, and uh, that's just one of them. But uh, you know, we it is days we have a lot more of Americans um, and non-Brazilians in general that are that are reaching the podium um, and doing well. But um, you know, to be the world champion is extremely, extremely difficult at the black belt level. Uh, talk a little bit about the the level of the belts, or may, maybe a better word for it is the quality of the belts. Because I, I hear sometimes you hear a guy say he's got his black belt in, in BJJ, but it's not on the quality level where somebody who trained as yourself might be equal to like two or three belts down. Is there anything to that, or are all black belts on the same levels, all on the up and up, same quality, uh, one is just as good as the other. Are there different levels of black belts, different qualities? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that there are, uh, you know, different types of black belts. Um, for sure, you know, it, it, you know, depends on who you received your black belt from and, um, you know, what sort of training room and training environment uh, you were, you know, a part of to, to, to reach that rank. Um you know, and then and then there's just different types as far as, you know, competitive black belts. Um, and then inside of that, I mean, you could have a a competitive black belt regionally, um, you know, but someone that's not really going to do well in the world class stage. Um, but, you know, all that being said, none of which really qualifies you as a teacher. You know, um, I don't think you have to necessarily be a world-class competitor to be a great teacher, uh, a great black belt teacher. Um, mm-hmm. Now you're going to, you're going to be coming from a different, um, you know, a different perspective. Um, if uh, you know, if you've never really been on that level on that stage, you know, you might have a hard time developing your own world-class black belts um, just because, you know, you kind of need to know what it's like out there to be able to produce your own, champions. It definitely helps to be a world champion if you want to produce a world champion. It doesn't mean that you can't teach great jiu-jitsu, you know. Um, so, right, right. you know, there are different types, but, uh, you know, I just encourage everyone to do their research, make sure, you know, they're the person that, that uh, they receive their black belt from, you know, is, is legit and everything, you know, they can check their lineage, um, you know, and uh, and do their research first. All right. Now, you also are an instructor, so talk a little bit about that real quick, if you can. Uh, how, how do you go about it, especially now that you are a professional MMA fighter as well? Uh, what kind of uh, you know uh, criteria are you looking for in terms of who do you train? Do you do you instruct on a, a one-to-one level? Do you instruct uh, a group uh, of youngsters? Uh, tell us a little bit about the dynamic of you as an instructor, Raphael. 
Um, well, I've been teaching for quite a long time. I started teaching when I was pretty young, like 16, 17 years old, um, to help my father uh, with, with our, you know, with the business. Um, and so, you know, like I said, I've been teaching for a long time, and I really love teaching. Um, you know, I love seeing my students improve. I love just, you know, being on the mat with my guys and, and the vibe, the energy, and, and everything. Um, so, you know, uh, I've never stopped teaching. Um, I also love, you know, developing our, our competition team and, and pushing guys, pushing my guys hard to prepare for competitions and things like that. Um, but nowadays I'm really fortunate. Uh, you know, I've, we've been in business here in Oklahoma city for over 20 years. Um, I have several black belts here, lots of high ranking students. And so, um, there's a lot of knowledge and experience on my mats. And so it doesn't all have to come from me. Um, and, uh, that helps me free up my time. Um, you know, I don't have to teach all the classes, um, you know, Justin Rader, who's my first black belt, um, very experienced and, uh, decorated jujitsu competitor, also fighting professional MMA. He, um, he runs our children's program. He's the head instructor of our children's program. Um, and, uh, you know, I have several other black belts that help me with my adults. So, uh, normally when I do teach, I, I teach the, uh, advanced adults, um, but I'll kind of jump around and, and do different classes here and there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to kind of do what I want as far as teaching goes. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we, we offer classes for everybody from kids, you know, ages four years old, all the way up to, you know, grandparents, you know what I mean? So, uh, mm-hmm. everyone's welcome on the mat and we pretty much have a class for everybody. All right, great there. Uh, so talk a little bit about uh, your decision to turn professional in mixed martial arts. Had been very successful up to now. Talk about uh, what the transition was like from becoming a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt to a mixed martial artist where you have, I think, just as many, if not more, TKO victories uh, than submissions. So talk a little bit about the transition of you turning into a professional mixed martial artist. Um, you know, well, I've always considered myself a martial artist, not just a jiu-jitsu guy. You know, uh, I touched on it earlier. My father is a lifetime martial artist. I grew up in martial arts. Um, you know, I, I've I've spent time and trained and learned uh, in several different styles from, you know, several different, uh, uh, you know, very well-recognized martial artists um, in those different fields uh, you know, over my, over my lifetime. And so jujitsu was just another phase of my martial arts journey. It's never, it was never just, okay, I'm just a jujitsu guy, you know? And so my, my, my plan was to always compete in mixed martial arts. Um, ever since I watched, you know, the early UFCs as a kid, um, I knew that I would be doing that one day. Now I, I definitely, dedicated a, a lot more of my life to jiu-jitsu than what I expected to. Um, I thought maybe I would have been fighting MMA a little sooner, but uh, everything happened at the right time. And, um, and I'm thankful for, you know, what I was able to accomplish in jiu-jitsu and have no regrets of not going to MMA sooner. So, um, but it was always my plan. So um, right. know, there was never, it was, never really wasn't much of a decision as to if I would do it, it was more just when, and uh, and like I said, the the timing was right. Everything came together. 
And since then, I've just been, I've been, you know, learning a lot and having a really great time, having a lot of fun with it. And so, you know, I made the decision to to keep going. Um, you know, I became the legacy champion, defended my my belt there. And uh, and after that, it was kind of like, well, you know, I, I don't feel satisfied yet. I feel like I could do a lot more. And um, you know, uh, I'm just starting to kind of get into the very beginning of my potential. And uh, I have an amazing team, uh, a lot of support. And so I made the decision, let's go. Let's go to a, uh, you know, a big show, one of the major organizations, and uh, sign with Bellator and, you know, just have my debut and uh, should be fighting again this summer. And uh, I'm pretty much all in now, you know. Uh, I want to become right, right. The, Bell- the Bellator champion. Good. Good stuff there. And thank you for explaining that. Uh, so uh, your first fight in Bellator – uh, was in early uh, early March, uh, highly publicized. Everybody was looking forward to seeing uh, you all around MMA fighter, but everybody, even the television announcers, are looking forward to seeing you and your jujitsu. And you wind up stomping Charles Hackman in 13 seconds with strikes. <laughs> Obviously, he'll take it. But uh, what do you say to all the fans that tuned in and wanted to see you flash your Brazilian jujitsu skills? Keep watching, <laughs> keep watching me because they'll, they'll get another chance for sure. Um, you know, that's just, uh, it happened the way it happened. Um, but, uh, you know, it's good because, um, you know, I, I am, uh, you know, training everything and I'm very well prepared, uh, for all aspects. And so, uh, getting a win in that fashion was good for me to, to feel that and know that I had that, that ability. Now, was that the plan going in to try and uh, jump on Charles Hackman right away uh, with strikes to try and get him out of there early, uh, maybe not in 13 seconds early, but was that the plan going in to, to try and see what he had on the feet? Um, well, I mean, we, we all start on the feet. You know, every match, every fight starts on the feet. So, uh, you know, definitely have to, you know, um, kind of feel have a little bit of a feeling out process. I didn't expect to – you know, land my first sequence, um, you know, uh, the way I did, but, uh, I definitely wanted to, you know, throw some good combinations and, uh, see what I felt, but believe it or not, the, the, the plan was to actually be a little more cautious and do a lot of circling, mm-hmm. a lot of moving and kind of keep him at right. a distance because mm-hmm. he was uh, a late replacement. Uh, my original opponent, uh, got hurt or something like that. And so with a late replacement, you kind of expect them to, to maybe be a little, you know, I don't want to say crazy, but, you know, maybe he's, he didn't have a whole camp, so he's not in that great of shape, and he wants to try to win in the first round. And so I wanted to be a little more cautious uh, just in case he came really heavy and really strong. Um, but, uh, you know, I definitely wanted to keep my distance. I have a, a pretty good length, you know, for, for middleweight. And, uh, and so utilizing right, right. the kicks, um, you know, is definitely a part of my, of my game. And it just so happened that my first kick, you know, landed perfectly. Yes, indeed. So, uh, I mean, you hinted at it a few minutes ago. Uh, if you were to guess, when do you think you would be uh, back fighting again and any possible names out there uh, for us to uh, ponder? Uh, well, like I said, uh, the summer, I should be back in the Bellator cage, um, probably July. And uh, until then, I have a, a really big grappling match next weekend 
um, against uh, the number one guy in the world right now. His name is Marcus Almeida. Uh, Bushesha is his nickname. Um, he is a, you know, a huge challenge. Uh, the best guy out there right now, very dangerous, a lot bigger than me as well. And we're doing a, um, a grappling super fight at an ADCC event in California next week. Um, and, uh, you know, I might have another jiu-jitsu match. It's possible, but, um, back in the cage, uh, this summer, like I said, most likely July, and uh, I'll just be staying busy the whole year. Hopefully maybe fighting one more time at the end of the year and getting a full three fights uh, for Bellator in. All righty. Sounds good. Now, is there anywhere on, on the internet uh, or maybe on uh, television that we could see that grappling match? Sounds intriguing. Yes, the, the grappling match uh, will be streamed live on flowgrappling.com. Um, and, uh, you know, for those that are just looking for information, I post about all the time. You know, I have several social media outlets, um, you know, and, and people can find me on Facebook. I have, an, I have an athlete page or Instagram and Twitter at Lovato Jr. BJJ. That's L-O-V-A-T-O-J-R-B-J-J. And uh, I'll be posting all the information for people to follow. All righty. Thank you. Uh, sounds great. It's been a pleasure. Rafael, Rafael Lovato Jr. Uh, thank you for coming on. Now's the time to uh, give some final thoughts, some final words. Uh, you threw your social media out there already. So anybody you want to give special thanks to or just give uh, your final closing remarks. Thank you for coming on. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah. I guess I'll just say, you know, thank you to all the fans, everyone that's been supporting me following me uh, from jiu-jitsu and MMA, anyone that's new, just just hearing about me in MMA, uh, you know, I appreciate the support, and uh, hopefully you'll be um, learning more about me and seeing me a lot more in the future. Um, shout out to my team, uh, Hibeto Jiu-Jitsu and Evolu Santai, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Thank you again. All right, thank you, and uh, looking forward to seeing you fighting again and speaking with you again soon. Thank you for your time. You've been so kind. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thank you. So we're going to go right into the pre-recorded interview with Andrew Holbrook, uh, who is fighting on April the 8th on the uh, UFC Fight Pass prelim. So we'll get right to that. And then we'll be live with Ashley Smashley Cummings after that. All righty. My next guest is a mixed martial artist with a professional record of 12 and one fighting out of the lightweight division. He will be in action on April 8th, part of the UFC fight pass prelims against Gregor, the gift Gillespie. And he's kind enough to join us now, Mr. Andrew Holbrook. Andrew, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And thank you for coming on uh, during this uh, busy time. And uh, before we get into uh, the uh, the fight uh, next week, which is a big fight for you, give us a little bit of your background, uh, how you began, what discipline did you start with first, uh, and when did you start training to become a mixed martial artist and turning pro? Uh, I just uh you know, I wrestled through high school and stuff. I guess I got a little bit of wrestling background myself. You know, I know he's got a little bit more wrestling, but that's all right. And I just, honestly, one day a guy asked me, hey, you want to go do a fight? And I was like, sure, why not? And so I did a few fights before I even learned how to fight, really. I just threw punches. <laughs> and then uh, I really got serious about it about a year or two after that. So 
just, I just keep going. Mm-hmm. I love this. I love this stuff. Yeah. Well, what about it appealed to you? Because if you ever seen the movie Fight Club, most people run away from a fight. So what what what, appeal, what, what was the appeal for you that uh, made you not only like it but pursue it as a career? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what it is honestly. I mean, I'm a, I'm a ginger, you know, where we're crazy people. <laughs> Other than that, I you know I, I couldn't tell you. Just I just enjoy it. Uh, were you someone that got into a lot of fights uh, as a kid in the school? Uh, meet me after school in the backyard? Were you that kind of guy? No, not really. Honestly, I pretty much almost get along with anybody. And then, honestly, if I don't like you, it's not like I go out of my way. To, if we're at a bar and I see you, and I'm like, oh, great, you know, I don't like this guy. I'll go to the other side of the bar. I'll just avoid you. I mean, I'm not somebody that back down from a fight, you know, but at the same time, I don't start him. Right, well, hopefully you weren't going to bars in your youth after school, so there's that too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. It definitely, in school, same thing, you know, I just, yeah, I definitely was, you know, hot-headed, but teenager really isn't, but. Right, but, right, right. Uh, just, I, I don't know, I just, I, like I said, I pretty much got along with most people. Right, right, oh, that's good. Uh, so self-evaluate yourself now as a mixed martial artist, where do you think your strengths lie and where do you think you need to improve? Always got to improve in everything, honestly. Um, you know, even, even, uh, you know, my grappling, obviously with, if you watch me, a lot of people notice that my grappling is pretty good. I'll probably say that'd be my strength, but, uh, that needs improvement as well. Everything needs improvement. Always. I, I was telling somebody about that the other day that hey, you can be, uh, Mayweather, and I guarantee you work on something for each fight. I mean, no matter how good you are, you got to learn. You got to learn. Got to keep learning something new. All right, right. Good stuff there. And uh, now uh, my partner, Eric, from New Jersey, he's going to ask you a couple of questions. So uh, take it away, Eric. How you doing, Andrew? This is Eric. All right. How you doing? All right. Not too bad. Hey, I just wanted to touch back a little bit on your last fight. Uh, I know you got one coming up, which is a big big fight for you, and I'm glad to see that you're active uh, coming off that fight in November and now fighting again uh, coming up next week. Uh, being in Australia and fighting uh, somebody uh, like Jake Matthews, who's in his home country, um, going into that fight, were you, were you under the, you know, you realize you know, that you're going to be like the underdog or the B side, if you will, when we talk about boxing, that, you know, that, that the, the crowd is kind of pulling for, for Jake in that fight? You know, I, I I didn't really pay attention to that much stuff with uh, the underdog stuff. I figured I was just because I'm in a guy's – they don't bring you out to somebody's home crowd place and uh, expect you to smoke them, you know what I mean? But, you know, I just – I don't really get nervous, honestly. I've had so many going back to the wrestling match in high school and stuff like that. You know, I, I wrestled for a lot of, like, AU and freestyle and stuff like that, so I've had so many wrestling matches, you know, in the spotlights that I just, not like I really get nervous for it. I just, I just go out there and do it. I mean, you've trained so much for it and prepared so much for it. There's, there should be no doubt. Yeah, you definitely, like, came across as the veteran in the cage uh, between the, the two of you there. Uh, you know, listening to, like, the, you know, the commentators, you know, like, Anik and Hardy, who are, are great, uh, you know, but it's like you can tell that they were kind of, you know, uh, pushing, kind of pushing the young, you know, Jake Matthews guy, you know, the baby face there in, in Australia. But uh, uh, you held your own. You, 
you won the decision clearly in my mind when I watched it, uh, but I did, but I do have to ask you, when, when you're going to a decision in someone's hometown like that, what are you thinking? Are you, are you concerned about what the judges are going to say at that point? After that fight, I, I, when it was over, I was like, yeah, I won this. And then they started announcing a split decision. I was like, how the fuck did I lose? Right. <laughs> I was like, what? Right. But then they announced it for me, and I was like, all right, good. They, they didn't steal it from me. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I was watching it, too, at the time. I was thinking uh, that, that they might go that route because uh, I thought it was pretty pretty clear. I mean, some of the fights and the rounds were somewhat – Close, I guess, but but I thought it was pretty obvious that you were winning the rounds. Um, were you surprised at all that I mean, you like you're a strong wrestler, it, 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 which is pretty obvious. Were you surprised that he was actually trying to take you down? Uh, no, nah, he just he must have saw something open when he went for it. It was just yeah, it's it's whatever. I I don't I don't panic. I just go for the next thing. Sure, no, you definitely handled it well. I just, I was surprised watching. I thought he would try to keep it on the feet. I know he's a jiu-jitsu guy and everything, but I thought he was, uh, I was surprised that he was actually trying to take you down. But uh, Yeah, I, uh, uh, I, they were telling me a little bit beforehand that, you know, he was going to play some of the arena football out there. So I was like, oh, so he's actually probably <laughs> going to have, like, good tackles. So I was like, oh, maybe he will try to take me down. Uh, cool. The other thing I want to ask you about Australia, too, because I've been there a few times myself in Melbourne is how long, like, as far as jet lag and, and what that's like when you got there, how, you know, were you, how how much before the fight were you there, and did that have any effect on, on how you were feeling? Honestly, I was only in Australia for about a week, but I was also out in, in Thailand, at Tiger Muay Thai out there for about a month, so I was already getting adjusted. Okay, yeah, okay, because that's probably about eight hours from Australia, I think, somewhere in there. Yeah, and it was uh, like uh, an extra four-hour time to change or something like that. So it was a uh, right. It was it was, uh, it was nice. Okay, well that, that's good because I I know I know when I get there I'm usually not there to work or anything like that so I can kind of take my time. But I know when I come home from there it takes me a couple of weeks to adjust getting back to work. You know, like trying to you know you're you're in, in the morning you you should be getting into the swing of things. You feel like you're winding down, kind of thing. So, right. That was now crazy. coming back with another story. I mean, we came back and immediately I went to, uh, with my family down to Florida, and man, I tell you what, <laughs> I was asleep with the kids about seven o'clock every night. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I could definitely, I could definitely see that. Uh, so you got a fight coming up here, UFC 210. Uh, the one, one, one other question I did want to throw out to you before. Uh, before you pass, pass you back to Zoot there, is uh, the main car we got on there, Cormier Rumble. What say you? Man, I tell you what. I th- I think Anthony's got him this time. He's uh, he's got, he's got so much power. He lands that clean shot, and it's, it's done. Even that, yeah, I, I can't awesome. believe that at one point he was fighting at 170. It's it's insane, you know. He He's just got, he's so big, and he's got the hammer. <laughs> I know it doesn't even make sense that he was at, he was making that weight, but yeah, right. that, that's that's definitely a tough fight. That's a, that's a big fight. I'm looking forward to that, yeah. and uh, and looking forward to you uh, watching you fight in the future. And, and and good luck on your your career. Right, thank you. Oh, th- thanks, Eric and uh, Andrew. Just a couple of more questions. Uh, 
First, uh, talking a little bit of talk a little bit about the indie boxing and grappling uh, association, the mixed martial arts scene in Indianapolis, your birthplace. Uh, is it thriving? Is it doing well? Yeah, we're doing good. I'm, uh, we're currently going through the Golden Gloves right now, and you know, we, past few years we've been, we've won the Golden Gloves as a team, and you know, we just have a lot of champions there. Everybody's always working hard. You know, we got all levels. I mean, we got uh, young kids that come in here and never even never boxed before, and we got old, actually some adults come in and never boxed before, and everybody just wants to learn. We got this little, uh, I think he's like seven years old, man. He looks good, too. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that kind of leads to my next question. Maybe not that youngster, but uh, is there somebody a little older that, that you think we might be seeing on the pro boxing scene uh, and doing well in the next year or two? Yeah, I tell you what, we got uh, we got a couple of good boxers. We have a guy that boxed for top rank, Pablo Sanchez. He's a he, he's tough man. He's a he's he's pretty strong for a little guy. And then we also have a a, a guy that he uh, he won the national Golden Gloves last year. Uh, Frank Martin. He's he's tough man. I tell you what, quick. <laughs> Oh, great, great. Yeah, because uh, we, we do a boxing podcast as well, so uh, I'm always looking to see uh, new talent out there, and uh, thank you for that. So uh, talk a little bit about your uh, debut in the UFC. Uh, how did you get the call? How did you know you became a UFC fighter, and uh, what did it mean to you? Is that the ultimate goal for you? Uh, I always wonder if the mixed martial artists, obviously that's the top organization. That everybody should have that as a goal, but uh, talk a little bit about it for yourself when you finally got to the UFC. You know, I, uh, a guy got hurt, so I I got to step in. Um, you know, bef- leading up to that, I was just like, they kept saying, you know, get a couple more quality wins, get a couple more quality wins. I'm like, man, I, well, what do I got to do? I'm fighting everybody. I beat them all in the first round. What do I got to do? And finally, they gave me a call. I was like, man, I want to fight again. Yeah, this is this. It gave me like an extra boost, pretty much. I was ready to go. All righty, and uh, you do have one loss on your record, 12-1, and one, uh, tough loss in the UFC. Uh, uh, was there anything uh, that uh, was different in training camp leading up to that fight uh, against Joaquin Silver that uh, uh, cost you the fight? No, nah, it just, you know, you, you get caught sometimes pretty much. He he had his game plan. He, he executed it very well pretty much. I mean, caught the kick, and on my way standing back up, he caught me with the right hand, and that's, they right, right, it, so. right. Yeah, it happens all. Yeah, yeah, it's a commonplace for uh, mixed martial artists. So, uh, when when you suffer a loss like that, is there ever 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 a worry that the UFC will drop you? I mean, they dropping they drop guys from their roster all the time. It's kind of like a "What have you done for me lately?" kind of deal. Uh, at that point, I mean, you bounce back nicely and got the big win in Australia that we already discussed. But uh, after that fight, was there any? Uh, foreshadowing of uh, if you don't win the next one you're out uh pretty much it's uh, i expected if if i'd have lost in australia i think i would have expected them to cut me pretty much uh you know uh, it's it's not necessarily how you lose it's just you lost it, it doesn't matter either way you know right 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 all right, well, before we let you go uh we've got to ask you about your next fight and your opponent gregor the gift the gift Gillespie. How do you see this fight going? What do you know about your opponent? I uh, I know he wrestles for uh 
pretty good college there. He, you know, All-American four-time there, and I believe he had a national championship in wrestling. So I, I, I know he's going to he's gonna shoot. Bottom line, I watched it, uh, a little bit of his uh, first UFC debut there, and he uh, he took like 17 shots. So I'm expecting to shoot. I'm going to, you know, if, if he takes me down, I'm looking to punch him, sweep him, submit him, whatever. You know, if, if uh, we stay standing, I'm, I'm going to punch him. Bottom line. All right, so it sounds like you're confident either way, so that's good. And uh, we talked about uh, all all the the different venues that you've been to. This one is in Buffalo, where most people just live there because it's again no, nobody moves to Buffalo. Very uh, very different kind of an atmosphere. Uh, when do you plan to get to Buffalo if you're not there already? Have you ever been there? Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of like a dreary place, so it has this wonderful venue for mixed martial arts at the same time. So tell us a little bit about your plans uh, and how you're handling the trip to Buffalo. Uh, you know, I just uh, kind of walk around the city a little bit, see what, see what's there with, you know, between uh, weight cut sessions pretty much. And I mean, I've been through a little bit. I know it's close to uh, Niagara. I've, when I was a kid, we went to Niagara one time. So I know it's close to there. That's honestly, I don't know much else about Buffalo than my grandpa used to travel there for business. <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, people only go there out of necessity. <laughs> out yeah. of necessity, they were born there pretty much. Uh, so uh, you mentioned the weight cuts less than a week before the fight. Where are you at with weight cuts? Always a dangerous proposition for mixed martial artists. I, I don't have a problem. I don't, you know, I, I like it. It's, I, I get it done, whatever. I mean, uh, you know, we got to show up at a certain weight. I get there and show up at that weight and start cutting. All right, sounds good. Uh, and uh, my last question for you is uh, the history of MMA. Obviously, UFC started, it uh, seems like a long time ago, but in the, the history of sports, still a very young sport, but a, a lot of great fighters, a lot of evolution has come the way of the sport. Who were some of the fighters that you looked up to to the past and now? I mean, when I first started watching it, I, I, everybody probably seen them, you know. I, I definitely watched a lot of Iceman. Tokudo was uh, uh, very exciting to watch. You know, I, and then I definitely watched a guy that I I personally come up under with uh, Chris Lytle. I watched him a lot, you know, a very exciting fighter. Um, oh, yeah, know, definitely. At, at the time when it first started so coming, you know, I was uh, at the time still a wrestler, so I did like people like Matt Lindland and a little bit of Randy Couture as well. But you know, I watched—I I just watched pretty much whatever was fighting. I, I always liked watching boxing as a kid too, so I was watching that Tyson. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And Eric from New Jersey is, was a a Tyson a maniac too. I'm opening up your mic again, Eric. Uh, anything else uh, for Andrew before we let him go? Uh, I said just real quick. Uh, I know you're in the 155 pound division, which is a stacked division there. Uh, as you as you move forward and, and you're accumulating wins, is there is there anybody that you're looking at that you want to uh, call out, if you will, the kind of thing, or or that you that you're you know uh, any big fights, that, any big names that 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 you're looking forward to? Not. I mean, I tell you what, they send me a uh, a message with you want to fight this guy, and I just say yes. As long as I'm right, healthy, exactly. I will. Fight. I mean, if I don't have nothing broken, I'm go- I'm good to go. Yeah, exactly. That, that you seem like that kind of guy. Yeah, definitely. 
I mean, that's what we get in this sport for, right? We, we, we're in the sport of fighting to fight, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have all the respect in the world for you guys because I know, I mean, I can't, I, I train a little bit. I can't stay in the gym. I can't even keep myself on the mat <laughs> after <laughs> training. So I have all I the respect Yeah, in the world yeah, definitely get some bumps and bruises along the way, and then you wake up like, why the hell do I do this? But exactly. it's fun. Yeah, no, that's great. Thanks for coming on and, and uh, giving us your time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. And before we let you go, if there's anything you want to plug out there, any social media you want the fans to follow, anybody you want to give a personal shout-out to, now's the time for your closing remarks. I definitely have a couple of sponsors that have always been sticking with me. I have uh, New World Collections and uh, uh, Bad Boy Bell Bonds of Indiana down here. They're great companies. And then, well, of course, my uh, jiu-jitsu gym, uh, Stockman Jiu-Jitsu. I teach there once a week, too, and it's a great place. It's a great atmosphere. All righty. Thank you. Any Twitter or social media you want us to know about? Are you that kind of guy? Just just me. It's just me on there. I get on there, and uh, I'll say some things once in a while a little bit. You know, I'm not the best with keeping up with it, but, yeah, I I do the best I can. And Uh, You mean Twitter? Both of them, Twitter. I mean, I'm on everything: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Mm-hmm. You can name it. I pretty much have it. So, <laughs> All right, so, so give give the fan uh, give the fans your handle so uh, so we know what the, how to follow just you. My, uh, just just your name? my name, Andrew Holbrook. All of all three of them are. You look for them. There, I'm on there. I think uh, Instagram actually might have like a number twenty behind it. You know, I grew up uh, in Michigan, so I like my Barry Sanders too. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. And uh, you enjoy the rest of your day. And we look forward to the fights next week. Andrew Holbrook versus Gregor, the gift go on the undercard of the big Cormier Rumble Johnson rematch, part of the UFC, UFC fight pass prelims. Thank you for your time. All right. Thank you. All righty. Good stuff there. And uh, Eric, I- I- intriguing matchup. If you were to guess, I mean, uh, he's anticipating Gillespie to go for the shoot, for the takedown. Uh, if you were to guess, do you, you think this fight will be primarily on the ground? Uh, I was thinking that they would both try and offset each other and stay on their feet. Their takedown defenses, although they're, they're good on the ground, their takedown defenses are not that great, so there's that as well. What, what do you think? Yeah, you know, traditionally you, you always hear, uh, you know, two wrestlers end up in a stand-up fight. Uh, I, but I don't know. There's something about you know Holbrook style, uh, like even like Jake Matthews went for the shoot on him. Uh, I think I think you're going to see a good portion of this up against the cage and on and on the on the ground. To be honest, I, I think that's where you're going to see a lot of this fight. All righty, sounds good, and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that and uh, the other fights as well. All righty, special thanks to Andrew Holbrook. That was a pre-recorded interview you just listened to. Andrew, obviously, in action Saturday evening. Uh, Our next guest is already on the line. Uh, She is a mixed martial artist fighting out of the Adam Weight Weight Division, uh, sports a professional record of 5-3, and and is currently fighting with Invicta. Uh, Recently had a a tremendous victory, three-round decision over Amber Brown. Um, we're speaking with Ashley Smashley Cummings. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. 
Oh, thank you. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. And I'm going to turn the interview over to Eric from New Jersey, a passionate mixed martial arts fan and one of our analysts on the show. So, Eric, take it away. Good evening, Ashley. How are you doing? This is Eric. I'm good. How are you doing, Eric? All right. Great. Uh, so where are you? What part of are you in uh, Missouri? Is that is that where you, is that where you're living these days? I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. All right. Uh, congratulations on on your last win. Uh, Thank you. That fight, uh, the uh, was that the Adam Weight uh, Weight class? Is that something? Is, now that was your first fight at Adam Weight, I believe. Uh, is yes. That, is that the weight class that you uh, that you want to stay at? Is that a good weight for you? Oh, definitely. I. I'm now on a two-fight winning streak. Uh, before my win uh, two weekends ago, I fought on Bellator at a catchweight of 110. The last two fights, it just it feels good, so good to finally be fighting people that are my size. I feel a lot stronger and faster at 105 compared to 115. After my last loss at 115, I, I promised myself I'll never fight at that weight again. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of the. You, I mean, you fought Alexa Grasso and and and, and Joanna Calderwood, and, and some of they they I think even fought higher than than one fifteen. So they they they're considerably uh, larger than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at all my weigh-in pictures, um, you know, at the pro all my pro fights at one fifteen, every single girl I fought just was so much bigger than me, you know, height-wise, and just, like, they're just wider than me, you know. It was clear that I was just too small for that weight. And, you know, a couple years ago, I I think after I lost to Emily Kagan, I was thinking about dropping to 105. And then I think right after that loss is when the UFC picked up 115. So then I was like, well, let me just stick it out a little bit longer and, you know, see how I do. And, And then, you know, I lost to Alexa Grasso and, that was a close fight, but still, I mean, it was just clear she was just so much bigger than me. And then um, I got picked to be on Ultimate Fighter uh, season 23. So I was like, well, let me just try one more time. And and I was only on the first episode because I lost that fight. So after that, I was like, okay, if I'm going to keep fighting, I, I have to drop a weight class. I'm just too small. Right, right, yeah, definitely. Um, but so Adam Weight Division now is is uh, is coming along with Invicta. Um, uh, in watching this fight, uh, in, your, in your last fight, uh, you were pretty strong, it looks like, in your boxing skills. I mean, I can see just the way you're moving, your fakes and feints, uh, uh, jabbing, getting your head off the center line, uh, and then tying that into your takedowns. Um, you look good on the ground. For style-wise, do you feel that, uh, like, what do you feel your strengths are, and what do you think you need to work on the most? Um, I think I'm just a well-rounded fighter. Like, I don't specialize in, like, jiu-jitsu or Muay Thai or wrestling. Like, I didn't wrestle in high school or college or anything. It's funny because, like, a lot of my past opponents, like, I, you know, I hear interviews and, like, everyone says I'm just a wrestler. And I'm like, I I have no wrestling experience. So I don't know where people get that from. I don't specialize in anything. I think I'm just well-rounded because I work really hard in, in every aspect of MMA you know, to sharpen my skills everywhere, you know, and my weaknesses, right. you know, I think, you know, everywhere, like my jiu-jitsu needs improvement. My wrestling could always be better and my striking can always be better. You know, like I'm actually mad at myself for my past win on a victim, mad that I didn't finish her. You know, there were several opportunities I could have, you know, gotten some submissions on her and I did it. So 
obviously I do have things I need to work on and, you know, I shouldn't be taking these fights a decision. I need to be finishing these fights. Right, right. And back to that fight real quick. I mean, they, they were uh, a couple of times it looked like she might have had you in a bad spot, but I thought overall you were winning the rounds. Were you? Was there any concern for you at the end uh, going to a decision and, and having that in the judges' hands? No, I mean, I knew, like, right when the fight was over, I knew I clearly won the second and third round. I mean, I dominated those two rounds. The first round, I think, could have gone either way. You know, I think I – my. I landed more strikes on the feet, but she got the takedown. And on the ground, it was pretty even. So I don't, you know, I don't know. I think two judges scored it for her and one judge scored it for me for the first round. So, I mean, it was a close round. But, um, right. you know, I definitely have a lot of things I need to work on. And, you know, since that fight, I've already been back at the gym, you know, improving on, on things. And, you know, I just want to keep getting better and better because I believe I'm the best atom weight in the world. And I eventually want that title shot. Yeah. I mean, I want to see you get it. You're definitely fun to watch. Um, how did you just going back real quick? Like, uh, what did, how did you actually start out with martial arts? Like what was your first, uh, you know, your first martial art and, and how did that grow? Um, my mom got me into karate when I was five. And I did that from, like, five years old to 18. But that wasn't really my main sport growing up was uh, soccer. That's what I focused on more than karate. But in high school, I wanted to be on the wrestling team, and I wanted to start kickboxing, but my parents wouldn't let me. They didn't want me to get hurt. They'd only let me do karate. So once I was a freshman in college, I was like, well, they can't stop me anymore. So I started training at a local MMA gym, and I've just been hooked ever since. Right, right. Um, so back to the training. So now you, you want to get back in the training again, or actually you're back in the gym. Um, yeah, I'm already back. Yeah. So you are also an active police officer, yes? Yes, I'm a police officer. Um, so how how difficult is that to balance your training? Uh, you know, being you're not. I mean, you're you're a professional fighter, yet you're also balancing two careers. Basically, is it hard to get find time in the gym? You know, I get that question a lot. I've been training MMA for 10 years, and I've been a police officer for seven years, so I think I've been doing both for so long I'm just able to make it work. Um, You know, obviously there are times, like there was, Invicta gave me four weeks' notice for that fight, so I didn't even have a full training camp to get ready for that. And within those four weeks, there were times where I missed training because I had to work late, you know, but I would make up for it. So, you know, in the... In the morning, I get up really early and do my strength and conditioning. And then I go into work for my eight-hour shift. And then after work, you know, I go straight to my MMA gym and I'll train for three hours. I'll get home. I'll drive home, get, you know, a little food in me, and then I go out and run some more. And so I, I train three times a day. The days that I got to work late and I do miss training, you know, I'll make sure to, like, kill myself extra hard doing cardio on my own that night. So. Right, right. So cardio, actually, then is a, is a, seems to be a big part of your game. You don't usually hear uh, people going for runs in MMA. It's typically a boxing, uh, boxing thing, if you will. But you do have a soccer background, so it does seem like you're you're a pretty good athlete there. And then cardio, yeah. you know, I think going into a fight, that's one of the most important things going into each fight because a lot of times you and your opponent are the same skill level, and it's whoever has that better cardio is going to edge out the win. Right, exactly. Yeah, in this particular fight, uh, it, it didn't look you didn't look tired. 
at any point, really, to, to be honest, during that fight, you looked like you were. Uh, oh, you, I you felt great. Had, you I honestly, like, yeah. I could have gone another two rounds and could have gone five rounds for a title fight. Like in that third round, I wasn't even like breathing that hard. I mean, but I. <laughs> The four weeks leading up to that fight, like, I killed myself with cardio to the point where, like, I almost, like, threw up a couple times. So I knew, like, I wasn't going to get tired. <laughs> All right. So um, going to, so now you're, you're back in the gym training. Uh, is there anything uh, – do you have anything, like, on the horizon or anything that – have they been in contact with you as far as uh, any upcoming fights? No, Vic hasn't said anything. I mean, obviously they want me back and – I have a multi-fight contract with them, so I have several fights left on my contract. And, you know, I'm in title contention now. You know, I don't think I'm going to get a title fight right away, but I just beat, you know, someone that was ranked top five in the world at 105 right. pounds. So, obviously, I don't know. What, I haven't looked up rankings, but I would imagine now I'm ranked somewhere in the top five. So, you know, I'm hoping to get one more win, and after that, and Victor will give me the title shot. Yeah, I can see that. I can probably see like sort of a title eliminator for you. That definitely, um, I, I can definitely see that. Um, just, just one more, one more question I have to ask you because I was actually just looking up uh, on, on your wiki here. So you, they have you're listed that you are an animal rescuer. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Is, well, what's that about? Yeah, I mean, I uh, just my whole life. Ever since I was little, I've been very passionate passionate about rescuing stray and abused dogs and cats. Um, it's something I've done ever since, you know, I think I was 12. And ever since I've been a police officer, I've been able to do even more of it just because, you know, with my job, we come across so much, you know, abuse or neglect situations or strays. So I'm just right. constantly getting, you know, these animals in need off the streets and or out of bad homes and, you know, I foster them and then I, you know, get them the care they need, you know, medically and give them a bunch of love and, and then I find them homes again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that's, uh, so you, you, you have a very, uh, a, a fulfilling life, it would seem, in, in the things that you do. Uh, and it, for me, I definitely appreciate that. I mean, you being a police officer and, and I am a, a little bit of an animal lover, so I definitely appreciate that. Uh, I just, uh, I guess, before we have uh, uh, you come in, jump back in here, uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, thank you, thank you for your time, and, and thanks, uh, you know, and I'm looking forward to to watching you watching you fight again. I, I thought you you're exciting to watch. They're throwing some good combinations and and fun to watch. I'm excited to watch you fight again. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Erica. Actually, I do have a couple of more questions uh, b- before we, we let you go. Erica touched on, the, you know, your uh, occupation of a police officer, an occupation that is certainly not for the faint of heart. Can you describe any aspects of the occupation of police officing or any experiences you might have that helped you that improved uh, your mixed martial arts career? No, I mean, I can't, I don't think of a specific situation has, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, there have been some scary situations in my career, you know, that someone was trying to take my life. So, you know, when I have a fight coming up and, 
you know, when I'm going into the cage for a fight. I mean, obviously I'm nervous, you know, everyone is, but nothing will compare to what I've experienced on the job as an officer. So, you know, yeah, I'm nervous and my adrenaline's pumping and I want to win, but, you know, it's not a life or death situation. It's just a fight. Right, Um, right, right. So I think I look at it from a different perspective compared to a lot of fighters. Now, both occupations, police officer, mixed martial artist, combat sports as a whole, uh, historically has been uh, discriminatory against women, although I think female mixed martial arts is, is just as popular as men's now, and I, I think it's gotten better. Uh, but uh, can you touch on that a little bit in personal experiences, uh, any discrimination that you had to overcome in, in either profession? Well, you know, I think, you know, with MMA, when I started 10 years ago, there was nothing for women there was you know there's no Invicta and there was no UFC I remember when I first started all there was was this promotion called hook and shoot and that was like if you fought for hook and shoot that was like big time for women you know there was really no opportunities to be a world champion or, or anything and you know the sport has grown so much over the years for women and we have so many opportunities now you know and same thing of being a police officer you know not I mean, since I've been an officer, you know, I've never dealt with discrimination or anything. But, you know, I know female officers maybe 30 years ago didn't have it like I have now, you know. So, you know, it's great to see it, you know, both my professions, you know, females, you know, have so much opportunity now, you know, with both careers compared to in the past where it wasn't like that. Right, and thank you for that. And uh, you spoke about uh, your, your great cardio. There was uh, great evidence of that in your last fight with Amber Brown. First two rounds, uh, pretty grueling stuff, a lot of ground fighting. Third round, y- y- you come out o- on your feet, uh, showcasing some really terrific boxing skills, uh, moving very well. Then about with about two minutes, 35 seconds left, uh, you took Amber to the ground again and did really well. Did you pre-plan that going into that round? You're like, I'm going to move around a little bit, try and uh, gas her out a little more, and then take her down? Because it, it looked like a, that was the plan going into that round. Yeah, it was because so I when I fought Emily Kagan for Invicta at 115 a few years ago, we stood all three rounds, and I, I'm my own worst critic, and even I say I won that fight. I clearly won two of the three rounds. I outboxed her. I was mm-hmm. landing way more mm-hmm. shots. I was controlling the octagon. I had cage control, and the judges gave Emily the win. So ever since then, I've always told myself, even though I know I'm winning on the feet, I need to get a takedown because you never know what these judges are thinking. You have to seal the deal. And I knew my jiu-jitsu was better than Amber's as well, so I was comfortable going to the ground with her. I, You know, I was comfortable standing and I was comfortable on the ground, but I wanted to get that takedown the third round to seal the win because, you know, these judges, I mean, you, you, if you watch UFC, I mean, sometimes you see fights where you're just like, oh, my God, like mm-hmm. you never know what mm-hmm. they're thinking. Mm-hmm. So I knew I, I needed that takedown to seal the win. Definitely, definitely. And then uh, almost get the rear naked choke at the very end. Uh, didn't get it quite under the neck. Uh, it was in the, on the chin area, but you were squeezing really hard. And I don't know if you watched this fight uh, after it was done. As you were squeezing, uh, you know, she was bloodied up pretty good. 
uh, you know, the blood was oozing out. It looked almost yeah, like a, a, a horror movie. One of the, uh, I'm a guy that could pretty much take watch anything. That, that, that was pretty grotesque to watch. Uh, the, did, you, did you see that afterwards? Yeah, I watched the fight after, and it made me mad. So, like, in the first round, the commentator said, oh, I think they clashed heads, and that's why Amber was bleeding. And I was like, no. Like, I remember the before – in the first round, she got the takedown, and before she took me down, like in the first like 30 seconds of the first round, I landed a right hand right on her nose, and as soon as right, I brought right. my hand back to my chin, I saw the blood coming from her nose, so it was from her right hand, so I was mad when that announcer was like, oh, they clashed heads, I was like, no, we did not, that's from my boxing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you touched on the fact a little bit that... Uh, uh, she was the, the higher rank fighter, maybe the favorite. Uh, I don't know what the odds were on that. Yeah, I, was huge, uh, did, I was a huge underdog in that did fight. You, did you get the feeling that uh, the, the cards were like stacked against you a, a little bit? Did you get like the B-side treatment that we talk about uh, a lot where, you know, and, and you know, you're there, but you're not there to win. Did you Did you get that going in? I mean, I knew I was a huge underdog. Uh, one of my teammates like a week before the fight, when we were at training, he was like, did you see, uh, I think it's tapology or something. I think he said tapology. He was like, it's 87 to 13%. And I was, so that's like a huge underdog. And then like, even at Invicta, like for weigh-ins, like when they called me out, like there was a couple of people clapping. And then when they called Amber out for weigh-ins, like everyone went nuts, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I knew I was the underdog and she was the favorite, but you know, I get it. Like, you know, she's been fighting for Invicta, her past couple fights and I hadn't fought for Invicta for three years you know I'd been away fighting for other promotions so you know it is what it is and you know I didn't let it bother me I knew I was the better fighter so I knew you know eventually people were going to see that you know at 105 I'm one of the best in the world all righty, definitely, and uh, certainly an impressive debut in that uh, weight class. And uh, la- last question I have for you, uh, in terms of the, as a mixed martial arts fan, we have a big card this weekend with the Rumble and uh, Cormier rematch. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the people that have inspired you in this uh, sport, which has a great history, but not that long of a history, but uh, so many great fighters uh, that can inspire you. So I'm curious to know some of the mixed martial artists you have looked up to in your life. Um, Honestly, I think the the fighter I looked up to most in my career is Shayna Baszler. Um, She doesn't fight anymore. I think she does like the pro wrestling now, but you know, I met her, like, my first couple months ever training MMA, so I was probably, like, 18, I met her at a seminar, and she was just so nice and helped me so much, and we stayed in touch over the years. And, you know, she fought for Invicta, and she fought for UFC, and she fought for uh, Strike Force. you know. She's one of the pioneers for women's MMA, and she helped get women's MMA, you know, in the UFC and helped us, you know, get Invicta started. So I just always looked up to her so much, and, you know, she kind of always inspired me. Even after I lost on Ultimate Fighter, you know, she reached out to me on Facebook uh, Messenger and we were talking. And, you know, I told her I was thinking about quitting. And she was the one that encouraged me to keep going. And, you know, you have so much potential in the sport. I don't want to see you quit. And after talking to her, that's when I was like, you know, maybe I should try 105. And so she's definitely the, the fighter I've mm. always looked up to the most. All righty, great stuff there. And uh, would, do, you, do you dare to make a prediction on the big main event, uh, 
Cormier vs. Rumble? Oh, man. I don't know. I'm I'm not good at that stuff. I wish them both the best. I like both fighters. All righty. Thank you. I'm going to open up Eric's mic again. Ashley Smashley Cummings, thank you for coming on uh, this evening. Now's the time for some uh, closing remarks. Any... uh, Body, you want to give special thanks to social media? Want to plug now's the time. We appreciate uh, you coming on. I uh, just thank my my gyms, uh, Wolves Den, uh, Gracie Humida, and Victory Training, and uh, I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Smashley MMA, and I have a Facebook fan page. It's Ashley Smashley Cummins. All righty, thank you, Eric. Your mic's open. You could say uh, good night to Ashley. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you, and, and, and thank you for your time, and I look forward to watching you uh, fighting in the future. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Pleasure is all ours, uh, and then you have a good rest of your evening. You too. All righty. All right, good stuff there. So uh, three solid interviews, uh, Rafael Lovato, Jr., Andrew Holbrook, and now Ashley Smashley Cummings. Uh, a lot of different styles there. A lot of different stories. Eric, uh, you know, just uh, you know, adds to the uh, the greatness of, of this sport. I mean, you, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, female fighter, also a police officer, and an animal rescuer. When I started watching this sport, uh, when there was really no rules, uh, I would have never thought such a fighter would have existed. Exactly. Yeah. No. I mean, she seems like a wonderful person. You know, with uh, with uh, with everything that she's doing, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's hard to juggle uh, with what she's doing there. And uh, all three fighters, basically, I mean, they've kind of been around a little bit, but in terms of the the public eye, they're all kind of uh, on the upswing. You know, so it's right, exciting right. to have all three of them coming. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Rafael Lovato's been around in Jiu-Jitsu world. Uh, Forever, but not a lot of MMA fighters, right. uh, MMA fans are aware of that. Like you know, mm-hmm. a lot of I'm not the type of fan that uh, maybe that follows jujitsu uh, the tournaments. I mean, I watch EBI and stuff like that, but I'm not going down the YouTube rabbit holes. And and and, and you know, so all the all the names that are out there in the jujitsu sport, uh, fans like myself may not know them all. So so it was nice to have someone like that come on. And and so we can uh, share his accolades so that the, the MMA fans can can get on yeah, board, you know. Right, yeah, and as an American to excel at BJJ at the highest level is a wonderful story. And now he uh, is getting that uh, national attention a little bit with his last fight at Bellator. Although if you blink, yeah. you missed it. Yeah, he's an absolute beast. Have you ever watched any of I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I take pisses longer than his fights, Eric. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so, 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 so there you go. So, uh, so, so with that, uh, we could uh, move on a little bit uh, with some of the, uh, you know, event fights for the UFC 210. We talked a little bit about this with uh, Nick. I know you were uh, listening a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll start off a little differently. Uh, with you, there, there is a interesting female fight on the on the pay per view. If you want to, uh, you know, talk about that a little bit, and if you have a prediction to offer, uh, please do so. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we've got, uh, and this was, I think, this was added late. I was, I was actually kind of surprised because I looked at the card and it wasn't there. And like two days later, I looked at the card and it was there. So we have Cynthia Calvillo against Pro Gonzalez. 
Um, it should be a competitive fight. Uh, I know Calvillo uh, was fought at UFC 209. Uh, she had a uh, rear naked choke win over Amanda Cooper. Um, and I think Calvillo took that fight on uh, maybe two weeks' notice or 10 days' notice or something like that. Uh, she has a TKO win in January, so she's been pretty active. Um, and with Pro Gonzalez, I think her last fight was like a year ago. Uh, she did have a win. She had a submission win. Um, but looking at them side by side, Cavillo seems like a really strong grappler. And in, in Gonzalez's fights where she's fought strikers that were fighters that were primarily striking backgrounds, she looked really strong. I mean, she looked like Randy Couture. But when she fought grapplers, she struggled a little bit and was some in, in tough spots. So as far as a prediction, um, and, and I'm going to go with Cavillo on it. And I, it probably could be a decision, but I'm going to go with a third-round submission on for, for Cavillo in this fight. All righty, good stuff there. Uh, any other fights before we get into the two main ones that uh, intrigue you that you want to throw out there to discuss? Uh, I know that we've got um, Will Brooks against Charles Oliveira. Um, I guess Will Brooks is fighting everybody named Oliveira in the UFC. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he's uh, – on this fight here, uh, he's got recent wins over, uh, I think, Ross Pearson, Marcin Held. So, Will Brooks is probably – I'm going to take a, a decision, uh, on Will Brooks' decision in this one. All right, and, and uh, uh, yeah. yeah, so I Oliveira mean, uh, is moving up in weight actually because he he struggled making featherweight. So this is actually, uh, uh, I think he's moving up from featherweight, Charles Oliveira. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and he was ranked in. I think he was ranked ninth in his featherweight. So a move up for him, uh, probably more out of necessity than anything else, like you said, with the weight. Uh, so yeah. I, I mean. Uh, on paper, I mean, I, I think it's we have a lot of intrigue. I, I think we have a lot of really good uh, potential fights on the uh, undercard, the fight pass. I mean, we, we spoke with Andrew. His fight with uh, Gregor Gillespie is on the UFC fight pass prelims. Desmond, Desmond Green versus Josh Emmett is on the UFC fight pass prelims. Uh, and and I, I think the, the the female fight has a chance to be very good on the pay-per-view and the uh, – the two main events that I think are the other are the seller here. If you're, uh, you know, not quite sure if you want to purchase this, uh, two wonderful fights. But first, let's talk about uh, Mosasi versus uh, Weidman. I know you were listening to Nick and I's uh, assessment of this uh, fight. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I've been flip-flopping on this thing. Um, and I can make reasons to go both ways. You know, Weidman, you know, in, the, in, in, his, in his wins where he was impressive, he's actually outsized his opponents a lot in, in using his wrestling. And Musashi is basically his size. Musashi has, has beaten Mark Hunt. So this guy has been in, in, in the cage with, with, with big guys. So I don't know that – I mean, while Chris Wilden's wrestling – uh, is, is very strong and, and could be effective here. I, I don't know that, that, that size is going to make a difference here. Uh, Musasi striking, I think, is is far and away uh, way, way more experienced. This guy's got 50 fights. Uh, you know, he's only 31 years old. Exactly, he might actually he's actually younger than than Chris. Uh, 
uh, I, I, I'm going to say, and I could see Chris getting in there and taking him down, uh, but I'm going to go with Musasi keeping his distance and winning a decision. And, and uh, my wife's probably mad at me for saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Being a Chris Weidman fan. Blasphemy uh, has know, just uh, evoked yeah. our show. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I look at this and I like, uh, like I said earlier, I just think he's in trouble in this fight. Uh, I think it's a bad matchup for him, but I never want to count the guy out because uh, you know I love him. I think he's uh, enormously gifted, uh, but I think this is a wrong place, wrong time kind of thing for him. More, more wrong time as Musashi seems to be rejuvenated and on a roll, and Weidman has just been so you know with the injuries and all, all of that, you wonder where he's at, but, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I thought he was, I, I thought he was in trouble with rock hole too. And it uh, didn't turn out well for him, but, uh, that's all I'll say. Yeah. I mean, he fought well against, I mean, he was sort of winning the striking with rock hole, although you just got the sense that any minute something bad was going to happen. Just had that kind of feeling going on, even though he was, he was sort of out pointing him, if you will. And then he did the wild, spinning heel kick or whatever but yeah there was uh, a moment where he over anticipated right right and that that comes back to me can't do that in this fight either well yeah it actually kind of all goes back to mistakes right i mean that's a mistake he's winning yoel the yoel romero fight he's basically winning that fight and uh yoel just time time to take down you know maybe went to the well a little too much maybe didn't set it up uh, and got caught there, even though he was, you know, sitting winning the fight, you know, I mean, uh, so, uh, it, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say, but it seems like the mistakes have been the problem, you know, like maybe sort of right. himself, if you will. Yeah. Um, and, and you know how cool the, the social media can be, uh, Eric, and uh, there are a lot of people who think Weidman is just vastly overrated you got a lucky punch against Silva the second fight kind of ended in a freakish way and uh, hasn't really uh, produced that much uh, since then I mean that's what the, the critics who say he's overrated I, I just think it's it's a matter of like you said uh, some strategy errors <laughs> that have cost him big time uh, where I think in the Saturday I think it needs to be perfect in order to win yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Musasi is savvy. He's been in there with a lot. I mean, he's fought, uh, you know, King Mo. He's beat Ovin St. Prue. I mean, this guy's been, uh, you know, Dan Henderson. He's been in the ring with a lot with a lot of top fighters and uh, definitely, you know, has a resume that, that, could, that, that can stand against anyone in a UFC here. So, but uh, it's going to be an exciting fight for sure. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised that uh, – I was shocked that you went against Weidman. I, I'll say that out loud. You know what? My, <laughs> my knee-jerk reaction as soon as I saw it on paper was Weidman. And then as just as I started just peeling the layers, I was like, oh, you know. Now, I could argue, you know, Masati as of late since he's been in the UFC, if you will. I had some missteps against stepping up, you know, with uh, 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 Machida. He lost his first right. fight there with Uriah Hall. Hall uh, right, I think right, he, right. he floored. I want to say he lost to Jacare, but I don't remember if that was just before UFC or, or right at the beginning of UFC. So it seems like stepping up in competition over those late, last few years, he has missteps. But right, overall, right. you know, uh, 
he's hard to to you know knock that resume, you know. Yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised you're, you're picking this to go to distance as well. I, I think that's the even bigger surprise for me. Yeah, uh, I, I I think I think Weidman, I, I, he's either going to come in now. He's done a lot of cardio training, uh, so he, he could come in and you know and go for you know mix his boxing and wrestling and, and but with the missteps he's had. I'm thinking maybe once he's in there and he just kind of plays it a little bit safe, I could see it going the distance. I, you know, like if he's not, so in other words, if he's playing it safe, where he's trying not to make a mistake, you know, I, I can see that the rounds just continuing on and Musasi, you know, building points that way, you know, maybe stuffing some takedowns and that kind of thing. I don't see him holding Weidman down or anything like that. You know what I mean? Uh, but I could see him stuffing the takedowns and being prepared that way. Right, right. Well, uh, you know, it is three round fight, so that makes it more likely. Would it's you three round. This... Yeah. Well, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This should be a five round fight. But you're right. It's, it's only three rounds. Yeah, that goes by quickly. Yeah. I think that that uh, you know that could favor Rosasi. Uh, I, I think, but we'll see. You know. Right. Well, before we get to the main event, the only uh, fight you have not mentioned on the uh, pay-per-view card is the Alves Cote fight. Uh, I'll, I'll certainly understand if you want to pass on this one. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, I, I said all I needed to say about it with Nick. Uh, any comments on this fight? No, I think uh, uh, it, I w- I'm going to go with the Cote decision here. I mean, Tiago Alves, I think is. I don't know what he's got left in the tank. I mean, he used to be, you know, uh, an explosive striker. He's good Muay Thai. Um, and then he had this slide. He lost to Carlos Condit. And then it seems like, all right, well, maybe these guys are too big for me. Because he's not very tall. I mean, he's muscular as hell, but he's not very tall. So I think he was getting starting to get outsized, uh, maybe not – Maybe not growing skill-wise anymore, and so he went. He the drop down at lightweight. He fights Jim Miller. Doesn't even come close to making the weight. Now in New York, now because that was I think the the MSG card, right. uh, the first right. Uh, that was the first time in New York. Now the New York mm-hmm. rule, which I don't think any of them were aware of. The fighters I know weren't aware of this, but they won't. The commission will not let you fight if you're if there's more than a five pound weight swing. Right. That's so how it should be. Miller actually had to, Jim had actually gain weight to get on the scale. So, like, they, you know, he had to go in there, I think, with keys in his pocket and a sandwich so that he could be within five pounds of Tiago Alves. And, 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 and Jim Miller won that fight fairly handily. He was able to take him down when he needed to, and, and, and that was that story. So I think Cote still has something in the tank. Yeah, definitely. I'm at this stage of their career, I think much better stand up. Um, I, I don't see. I, I just see him going to decision here and, and beating Alvin. Uh, are you surprised this is on the pay per view portion of, of the card? I mean, both of these guys have a long history and recognizable names. So, in one aspect, I can understand it. But in another aspect, uh, I would think there were some other fights uh, that were more worthy of uh, that slot. I don't know. Maybe in Buffalo, being close to Canada, there they wanted to uh, <laughs> get some Patrick Cote fans. Predator fans on display. 
Yeah, and there are two names. I mean, they've been around. In basketball, we would call this the uh, the cosmetic starters. So uh, that is what it is. <laughs> it, it, it's, probably, it's not going to be a bad fight, though. No, I think it has a chance to be uh, entertaining. I think all the fights on the, on the main card have a chance to be really good. Uh, so I'm excited about that. But uh, uh, you know, this the, the, I think this fight, this card rather carries its weight with uh, the main event. Having said all of that, with uh, Daniel Cormier and Anthony Rumble Johnson uh, rematching uh, first time around. Uh, a legendary uh, fight, uh, great performance by Cormier, withstanding the big blows early. Uh, how do you see this one going? Well, this is another one, back and forth. And no matter, every time I appeal layer, I, I'm, I'm going back and forth the other way. And i kind of going to go in the same direction as I did with the Musasi and Cormier fight in that I'm going with the guy that I think is better technical versus, you know, the brute strength guy. And I'm going to go with Cormier's decision. I flip back and forth because Cormier, he hasn't had, you know, like from what I can, uh, I think uh, Kane Velasquez has been hurt. I don't think Luke Rockwell, I think he had surgery or something. I don't know, you know, so I don't know who he's had in the gym with him. But you can't take away from the fact that the only person that beat him is John Jones, who nobody beat. So, it's hard to, you know, he already fought Rumble Johnson. To me, it's just avoiding the big shot. And everything else is is in Cormier's favor. I mean, you know, Rumble is all offense. Like, right. you know, I don't, you know what I mean? So this, he's all offense. And then when that fails, it's, there doesn't seem to be anything else. I think Cormier can weather a storm. You know, uh, he rolls with the, with the big shots. And it's really just a matter of, of, you know, get you know, getting out of that storm, and uh, you know, Rumble seems to, you know, when someone's being able to be competitive with him. I mean, I know we struggle at the low weight classes; it's hard to compare those. But but even in those fights, it was kind of like that. When somebody can keep the fight going, you know, he seems to gas, seems to be frustrated, that kind of thing. So uh, in both of these fights. Like with, I, you know, Cormier to me is playing chess and Rumble's playing checkers. It's that kind of a, that kind of a thing, you know. Um, yeah, and the, the situation you described, we saw that clearly in their first fight, and it's hard to say if he's made any adjustments uh, since then because all of his fights have ended so quickly. Uh, the the Manoa fight went a little longer, and he did some work on the ground, but it's all about him landing that that, that money strike, if you will, and uh, putting guys out. I don't think he's going to be able to do that in this fight. In uh, five rounds, I, I don't know what he's going to be looking like if it, I mean, this fight goes to five rounds. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, Cormier's fought heavyweights. Now, the the difference, so he's fought big punchers. The difference, obviously, is going to be speed with, with Rumble compared to those guys. But, you know, I, again, it's, you know, he's, he, he's shown he can take a big shot. He did get, he was hurt against uh, Gustafson a little bit, but he, but right. he recovered. So, you know. Yeah, he recovers um, well. Rumble has held guys down. I don't see him holding Cormier down. You know, I, I, I just think that overall, you know, uh, the you know, technique is going to win the day, you know? Yeah, I hear you. And that Gustafson fight, that fight for me was fascinating. It was one round, I don't remember if it was the second or third, where Cormier was doing uh, pretty good. And then uh, Gustafson dropped him with a crazy knee that almost I thought was going to 
end it, but uh, that that uh, Cormier is uh, tough to uh, take out. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, he got he, he suffered a lot of punishment in that fight. Uh, uh, did you think he, he deserved a decision in that fight? Yeah, I mean, there was I think I think it was a right hand one. I want to say it was a right hand. Maybe I'm thinking of the knee, but he, he basically crumbled along the fence. But you know, he was still he still had his faculties. He was still there. Uh, I thought, you know, I could see – I thought Rumble won the fight. I mean, I thought the, the Cormier won the fight. But I could see, you know, someone making an argument. I mean, it was that. It was close enough where you could have a debate. Uh, but right. Justin, Justin did get on a bicycle there a little bit a few times. Uh, I, yeah. think, I think overall you got to give that to, to Cormier. I, I don't really – you know, like I said, you can make the argument, but I, I, I think Cormier won that fight. Yeah, and he's a heady guy, Cormier. He kept asking his corner, did I win that round? Did I win that round? So he he was aware that it was close, too, in that fight. Uh, the punishment, though, but I, I don't know if Rumble can could perform in that kind of a fight if he doesn't get a guy out of there. I mean, what fight can we point to, a high-level fight where if he didn't get a, a guy out of there early, he performed well over the long haul? I, I can't think of any. Right. No, no, I, I, uh, I can't. I mean, he's gotten some decisions, um, you know, early, early on against Summer. I, I go on to say, uh, I can't even name maybe Josh Koscheck or something like that. But, I, you know, he hasn't really. Uh, yeah, different world at that point. Yeah. I mean, uh, recently, yeah, not nothing. Josh Koscheck, actually. Actually, he, that was one. No, he didn't go decision. I think that was, uh, if I remember right, that was probably his last fight. At 170, maybe four, one more after that. But I think that was he. He basically got himself out of the fight, kind of like he did against Cormier in the first fight. I think that was a a second round uh, submission, you know, that he lost. Uh, you know, now most of the fights that he's lost, he, he has had weight issues, but even so, it's, it was still kind of the same story, you know. Right. Uh, when he lost to Belfort, that was supposed to be a middleweight. I think he missed weight by quite a bit. But so there was kind of some weight issues associated with these things, and that was another rear naked choke. So there kind of seems to be a theme, uh, you know. There, so you know, maybe, it could be the weight, maybe it's not. But uh, you know, I, I can see, you know, I see Cormier finishing this fight, uh, you know, later rounds, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, and he uh, he went to a distance with David Branch and won. He, he did lose to Koscheck in the second round, like you said, but uh, most of the stuff, uh, you know, he went to distance with Orlovsky. I don't even remember that fight, so that that was a while ago. Uh, but you know, the, the I don't lately, think that was in the UFC. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, UFC, uh, the Phil Davis fight went uh, the. Uh, Went the distance, so I guess you could point to that one. Yeah, uh, but he beat up Phil Davis pretty good in that fight. Yeah, actually. but uh, you know, but that just shows us how tough Phil Davis is. Yeah, so I mean, since that fight, uh, none of his fights have uh, gone to the decision. They've all been stoppages, and all pretty quick on his part. But I, I right. just and, can't and envision that scenario against Cormier. Go ahead. The the adversity coming overcoming the adversity that's I think the key with, that we not really haven't seen. You know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, it was. I mean, uh, you know, uh, 
the Tech Sheriff fight, I don't even think lasted a minute, <laughs> if I remember correctly. <laughs> right. So that, that was the biggest letdown ever. It's, it's like, all right, this no, is going to be that amazing. Was, yeah, that was quick. I, I don't even, yeah, they didn't even get started. And, and Glover, nah. Glover called them out. I was like, I remember he, uh, Glover had come out. I think he had beat uh, Ryan Bader or something like that. Or no, right, right. I don't know who it was, but 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 he at the end of the fight he called out Rumble Johnson. It was like, what? Was, you call out Rumble? And no one's ever done that. But uh, oh. right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, and I, and I like both of these guys. I'm going to be rooting for Rumble. Uh, just because I want to see something different against John Jones. And I, I like both of these. So if Cormier wins, I'm not going to be overly upset. This is not a fight where uh, I have real rooting interest. I like both guys. I hope that it's a, a good, intriguing fight. But I just can't picture a scenario of Rumble winning unless it's one of those quick, spectacular knockouts. Yeah. Now, the downside to this, no, I say downside, but, you know, the other thing is, too, Rumble loses. I mean, Rumble's already cleaned out the division. I mean, he's fought all the other top guys and, and knocked them out, essentially. You know, what's, what, what happens to him, I, 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 would like to, I, I would like to actually see him fight John Jones. But, um, you know, I would like him to, you know, if John Jones comes back and, they, and, and Cormier is still the uh, champion, they, they, you know, I'd like to see them say, "Hey, you want to fight Cormier for the title? Go to Rumble Johnson first, you know, because that's a fight right. that hasn't happened. I mean, everyone else Rumble is already beat. Right. Know, I mean, outside of, obviously Cormier. Uh, right. The other side of that too is then if if Rumble wins, does that leave a rematch open? You know, would Definitely. you still just give, you know, so. But I don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I, and I, I think it. it's a matter of how it is too. If it's a if it wins in a scenario where there's a question, uh, like with Woodley and the Wonder Boy, then I think a rematch. But if it's a clear win for either fighter, I think Jones is the next. If he could get himself together and get himself uh, into the cage, if not, then anything's possible. If he self-implodes well, again, that's true too. Yeah, that's true. It, it, you know the. Uh... The matter of the you know the way if it's uh, if it's easy or the tough fight might decide whether or not it's going to be a uh, you know a rematch and then you got Jimmy Manoa out there too that that that, that maybe deserves a shot so yeah definitely uh, definitely a lot of fun stuff we got the uh, Tixera Gustafson fight in uh, and Gustafson's a guy gives hell to John Jones and uh, Cormier and, and gets blown out by Rumble so. Uh, to show you this, you just don't know what could happen with these kinds of fights. Yeah, no, you're right, exactly. You, you can't go by, well, that's the thing, you can't go, you know, there's no real math that that, that works, uh, you know, because Rumble might might come in, I mean, he'll, if he would have fought, let's say, John Jones, maybe Rumble knocks out John Jones, but you don't, you know, you don't know until they actually fight, so it's hard to say, right. because Cormier beat him, and, you know, it, it, you can't really... Can't really go by that, you know. I mean, that's why they're fighting. So. Yeah, you know, and I think uh, Cormier did a good job uh, defensively in that fight. It wasn't. He took the prefer. From what I remember, he took the first big right hand that dropped him, but got up and recovered well. And uh, Johnson over anticipated. And then I think there was another time where he he would stood a pretty high, vicious high kick. But uh, he utilized, you know, he uh, disengaged, so to speak, uh, 
the striking power. He, it's not like he ate a lot of strikes from Rumble. Uh, so over a sustained period of Rumble could uh, switch things up and, and give different angles and not get so carried away if he thinks he smells blood. Might be interesting to see. Uh, be, I mean, uh, you know, he, Cormier took a lot of punishment against Gustafson, but I think we're talking about a slightly uh, different level of a striker in uh, Johnson, a little bit harder. Oh, definitely. And, and Johnson, you know, served well to, to keep it in, in kicking range. Uh, I would, you know, if you want to talk about just pure kickboxing, you're, you know, he, he's going to be better than, than Cormier. But Cormier plays offense and defense. Rumble is just playing offense. So once that, once you mm-hmm. stifle that, he doesn't seem to have a, a plan B or, or, you know, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't seem to overcome that adversity, or at least we haven't seen it. You know. Yeah, Cormier so. is certainly, like you said, the chess player here. One of the, one of the more thinking uh, fighters in the sport today. So there's that as well. Uh, we're coming up to 15 seconds left in the live feed, so I want to. Uh, let's tell everybody if uh, you want to follow me on Twitter at Zoot29, capital Z, lowercase U-T-E, 29, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. So uh, as we go into the archives, Eric, a couple of more points you want to make. Uh, we have a few minutes uh, left in the overtime. Nobody can hear us live now, but this will be on the archives. Uh, do, you, do you want to have just touch on the Rampage and King Mo? Oh, yes. I, I, I totally forgot about that. We were supposed to do that first. Yeah. So, so there you go. Uh, so I, I somehow I that fight I, I that, that like, fight was already put past me. I, I totally forgot it, but thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, and, and, and as it should. Uh, <laughs> as it should. I don't even know. I, I You know, I hate to... Uh, King Bo goes in there. You're, you're the headliner. There's people paying for your tickets. There's sponsors paying, uh, uh, giving money, good money to Bellator and, and the networks. People have spent giving their time to watch, and you and you're playing it safe. That's all I gotta say. It's a fight. Yeah, I, I I could see that. But what about the strategy of Rampage though in the in the first round, especially backing up like that? I mean, I, I understood why he was doing it, but uh takes two to make a fight, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I think he was worried about the takedown. I mean, going going into the fight, King Mo told him, I'm going to hump your leg for three rounds. So, well, there you go. You know. Exactly. Maybe that's why he put on all that extra weight, thought it would be harder for him to do so. Exactly. Well, you know, the second round when 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 King Mo opened up a little bit, they both had a chance to swing. Um, you know, Rampage had him in trouble a little bit. You know, and then the third round, he just said, "Well, we're not going to have this again." So. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, it's the second time this has happened with where you had this big. Well, I'm sure it's happened a bunch of other times, but. Uh, this time, the common denominator has been Rampage, uh, I mean, similar to the Rashad Evans fight where, you know, we watched them on the, the Ultimate Fighter and uh, the bad blood was oozing. I mean, trash talk and everything. And then they, they were like two gentlemen when they fought, they, you know, so, I, you know, from what I remember. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I understand. I didn't think the fight was as terrible as a lot of people were saying. Maybe I was just overly drunk and I didn't drink, I didn't drink anything. Yeah. 
I thought it was okay. I certainly well, didn't think it was the worst fight I ever saw. Uh, but, I, you know, I can understand the criticisms. Uh, but uh, I wonder, I have to, I don't know if you stuck around for the post-fight interviews in, uh, on that fight. But the, I, the one question I do have is if, if I wonder if King Mo actually ever watched Iran Barkley fight. Uh, what, 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 what did he say? Because he, when he talked, when he was asked about the going into that third round, well, he's like, "Oh, I just decided to Iran Barkley him. That's what I wanted to do." <laughs> and what did he mean by that? <laughs> well, I, I think he meant that he went all, all balls out, like Iran Barkley used to do. But I, I, so there's the question: Do you actually ever see Iran Barkley fight in? Uh, <laughs> So I don't know. I mean, it was a weird, it was a weird tribute, but uh, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Iran Barkley's been in very few boring fights, so that's my point. Right, right, right. I, I now I remember. I do remember uh, him in, in making implying that 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 he he went out he went after it in the third round. So uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I mean, he did land some good body fight. shots in that third round. You know. Through a couple of punches yeah. anyway. Do <laughs> a couple of punches. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, but the the, the other guy yeah. had nothing in that third round, so yeah. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things. Well, King Mo, you know, three months ago, whatever, got his clock absolutely cleaned by a jacked up pro cop. So, you know, maybe he's playing it. He needs a W, so he's going to play a little bit safe. Rampage absolutely hates wrestlers, hates them. In fact, yeah, he I know. recently yeah. said, uh, you know, people, I can't remember, someone was talking to him and going, throwing names out there. Oh, there's, you know, Bellator's got, you know, Pro Cop and Vandalay, and there's all these options out there. Chael Sonnen, he comes right out, he says, I am not fighting Chael Sonnen. I'm done fighting these wrestlers. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so there's that certainly, and he certainly felt the power in the the second round. He, I mean, he said it; he got hit, and he was seeing four Quintins for a little while. So <laughs> certainly, he's certainly more entertaining with a microphone in his hand. Uh, I will say that much. Yeah, <laughs> right. You should be calling yourself the king. I want to see a little more than that. I'm coming for the hype, you know. So, though, in that sense, it's a letdown. It wasn't a terrible fight. I'm overreacting. Right, right, it wasn't right. A terrible fight. Just a little no, bit of definitely, a letdown, definitely was a letdown, but uh, I thought it was people were a little too harsh with the thing, how boring it was. But uh, I don't yeah. know. No, I would agree. I mean, with that. It, it, it wasn't. Not a fight I watch over again, but uh, I wasn't like, oh no. my god! You know, I was intrigued the whole time. It was, it was like one of those things where you just kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and what you were waiting for never appeared. Right. Well, it's kind of like, you know, because you're expecting, you know, I mean, because when you have somebody like Rampage or somebody that can get you out of there at any second, there's always that anticipation. And it's kind of like going back to the, you know, with with, uh, with with Woodley and Thompson. Like, I didn't find those fights boring. Everyone, you know, was killing these guys, you know, uh, on social media. But I, to me, the anticipation, because there was a chance that this thing was going to end quickly. You didn't know what was going to happen. So I actually... You know, I didn't find them terrible fights, even though there mm-hmm. wasn't a lot of action. You know, right? But there was that anticipation. I thought, you I, know, I thought that fight was good. Yeah, I thought that fight was much better than the King Mo Rampage fight for sure. 
But I, I think when you measure it up against the first fight, the same thing in both scenarios, the first fights were much better, so much more action anyway. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, definitely. You know, but uh, the, you know, when you have somebody that's just kind of holding on physically, holding you against the cage without any real intent other than to hold you there, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, where, that's where boring comes in. You know, right. Uh, so you think it's on the referee to uh, separate them a little earlier? I mean, they 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 let a lot of activity go against that cage. Yeah. Uh, in some in some of those uh, circumstances, maybe you know, maybe they were just doing just enough to keep it alive, you know. But it's whatever. It's still the obvious intent was to 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 minimize the the action and and, and you know get the W, you know. Right, right. So uh, up next, King Mo Bader. Sir, I don't think he could get away with that kind of style against Bader. But again, Bader has that striking power that uh, I think King Mo is going to design a game plan to try and uh, avert. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm actually, like I say, I, I like Bader. Is avert fight. even a word? Uh, I just realized I don't know what the hell yeah. I just said. Is avert a word? I, I, I don't know avoid. if it's a word, but I think it's a there you go. Uh, yeah, you know, I can see, you know, Bader, you know, he uh, he handled uh, Rashad Evans pretty handily. Now that was back in Rashad's career, but he beat Phil Davis, a great wrestler. So I don't see anybody, I don't see him getting out wrestled by King Mo. If anything, it's going to be the other way around. So I think, you know, I think, I think, uh, I think Bader can control that fight and, 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 Take a decision. Yeah, he's got power to it. I mean, it, they both have power. Yeah, in their hands, so yeah. They're both, I think King Mo's best chance is to hurt Bader with a strike. Uh, right. Yeah. Win. Yeah. But I see. I don't think Bader's going to be that. I can't use the word afraid, but there, there isn't going to be as much of a concern like when he fought Rumble Johnson and he shot from 15 feet out. You know what I mean? I don't see that kind of thing. I think it's going to be uh, he's going to go in there with with some confidence and he's going to be able to uh, to work his punches into takedown and, and and do his thing. So I, I can definitely, I, I in, in my mind, I see Bader winning that fight. Yeah, it should be uh, it should be interesting, a fun card that we'll talk uh, more about when it approaches. But uh, Eric, that's all I have. Thank you for reminding me uh, about such a tantalizing affair, King Mo and Rampage. <laughs> And we didn't really talk about it much off the years. I was I was interested in hearing your thoughts on it. Uh, I just just slipped my mind. It's like you know, it's weird how you forget things these days. But uh, anyway, uh, we're just about done here. Any other uh, points or closing remarks you want to make? No, just uh, again, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, uh, I I think that uh, well, I can reveal anything. I think you're working on something exciting, but I won't say anything. And uh, yeah, I'll, nothing, uh, no, nothing I'll, in I'll, the cards yet in terms of anything. I do have one guest slated uh, for next week. Uh, not who you're thinking, somebody else. Uh, but I, okay. I don't like revealing. I'm not going to reveal. I'll, I'll tell you off the air, uh, so all the people can yeah, be mad at me yeah. who's listening. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll definitely go with that. I will have my official prediction of Cormier Rumble on RingsideReport.com. So look for that as well. Uh, so, yep. uh, I mean, that's it. Uh, I, I guess we call it a night. Ready to hear Chuck Berry? No. Yeah. Go ahead. All righty. Take care. Talk to you soon. All right, everybody. Please. That's MMA Talk. Uh, if you're a boxing fan, Dude's Boxing Talk will be on uh, 
Thursday, we do have a, a couple. Of, I do have Ronnie Essett scheduled uh, as I had in the past, but hopefully this time it's the real Ron Essett. But uh, and if not, I'll see you next week on the MMA stuff. Enjoy the fights. It was a teenage wedding, and the old folks wished them well. You could see that Pierre did truly love the Mademoiselle. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.